everyone and a very warm welcome to worship for this the first Sunday in Lent. You'll have spotted that I'm not Anne um, and a little bit under the weather today so I'm going to be doing the news this morning. So welcome to you wherever you're joining us from across these islands and across the world. It's great to have you with us and we hope you enjoy our service. This morning I'm leading worship and I'm going to be joined by Grace, Katrina H, Lizzie and Petrie, Rachel and Jeff. And of course we'll hear, hear Paul playing the keyboard uh, on the recordings of our hymns this morning and also uh, some more violin from Yang Yang. In a minute or two, Bonnie and her family will be lighting our candles and we're invited if we would like to to invite a candle in our own homes at the same time. Just a reminder to the specification group that immediately after the breakout rooms close, there will be a short meeting for us this morning. So if you're part of that group, please just stay on when everybody else leaves. Then at seven o'clock this evening, I seem to have the all singing, all dancing Katrina day today. Um, I'm going to be leading the evening service, which is the first of a series of Lent studies based on the Elton John biopic Rocketman. And even if you're not somebody that normally comes to evening worship, you're really welcome to come along to take part in that. You will found, uh, will find or have found on your invitation email a little bit of background to that um, if you'd like to come and haven't seen the film don't worry about that because we will be showing the bits that we're talking about as we announced last sunday our lent appeal this year is for glasgow city mission the just giving page is active and one or two people have already been able to donate so thank you very much to those but there's plenty of time to make your donations because that page will run until easter and we'll have details in the March edition of the key. And also you can find the link on the church's Facebook page. A couple of bits of family news or family news that one remove, I guess, and they're both um, positive ones. The first is a delightful piece of news. Our friend Rebecca Sharp Bashtakin, who is chaplain at the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital, gave birth to her daughter this week. And baby Delaria Robertina is uh, doing well, as is Rebecca, and they're delighted for us to share that news. So we continue to think of them and uh, pray for them as they adjust to this wonderful new addition to their family. And then the second piece is that it is Jim Gordon's 70th birthday. Jim is a longtime friend of Hillhead Baptist Church. He was the moderator at the time that... Uh, 
you and I explored whether God was leading us together. And he has continued to be a good friend to me and to us as a church over the 11 and a bit years, coming up to 12 years, I think, actually, since uh, we first began the, that process. So we rejoice with Jim on his 70th birthday. Anybody who follows him on Facebook, um, if you look at his page, you'll find a video with a few familiar faces sending greetings. So that is all the news we have to share. And I'm going to hand over to Bonnie now to lead us in lighting our candles. Thank you, Bonnie. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's Christ light like this, this day. day. Let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. God of all seasons, as the days begin to lengthen and winter gives way to spring, we praise and thank you for the signs of hope seen in new growth, in gardens and parks, on waste ground and along the roadside. For long dangling catkins and small tight buds. For multicoloured crocuses and tiny white snowdrops. For birds building their nests and for squirrels darting from tree to tree. For earlier sunrises and later sunsets marking the rhythm of our days. God of this season, 
as we move into the six weeks of Lent, we do so with mixed emotions and uncertain expectations. We name the weariness and the fed-upness that weighs so heavily in our hearts. We name the yearning for a time when all of this is over and we can once again meet together in person. We name the reality that this is our second journey towards a digital Easter and it feels so very hard. Please help us to hold fast to the active, tenacious, resilient hope that has sustained us this far. And during these weeks of Lent, help us to discover how you are with us, sharing the journey to renewed joy. God who meets us in Jesus, a human just like us, yet a person unlike any other. As we offer our praises and our prayers, may we do so confidently and expectantly, knowing that you listen attentively and respond graciously. Amen. We continue together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
first reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 to 17. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. The second reading is Psalm 25, verses 1 through 10. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The next reading is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 22. Christ suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently for the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few that is, eight people, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Our last reading this morning is from Mark chapter 1. In those days, Jesus came down from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As we all know, Lent is a season that lasts around about six weeks, during which we focus on some of the key points in the story of Jesus, usually starting with his baptism and or temptations, and then moving along to his death and resurrection at Easter. This year, I thought, Rather than try and come up with anything myself, I would just stick with the lectionary readings. And we heard the Year B, Revised Common Lectionary Readings for today, this morning. And the theme of those readings is quite clearly the baptism of Christ. Over the last week, I've had lots of ideas. I've reminded myself of all kinds of so-called heresies about what the baptism of Christ did or is or represents. And I have to confess, I was quite late getting anything down on paper. And then yesterday on my Facebook memories, this came up. Hopefully you can see that, um, though you probably can't see me. 
three years ago, we were excitedly preparing for the baptism of a number of our friends. And as is my tradition, I was merrily and joyfully um, embroidering towels with the date on them. The thing is, as you will remember, if you were part of our church at that time, the winter snows arrived late that year. And when we got to the 4th of March, we were snowed in. We had to cancel the service and postpone the baptism until a later date. Of course, we were all disappointed, bitterly disappointed. But we also knew it was the right thing to do. And so we waited. And when the day came, it was really, really precious. And as I looked at that image, I thought back over some of the, well, all the other baptisms that I've been involved with since I came to Hillhead. This is not a great photograph, but this was Debbie's baptism. Debbie was somebody who came from the south of England and whose father particularly was a very strong Baptist. And she, by now living in Glasgow and established in a university career, had been reconnecting with her childhood faith and had stumbled across Hillhead Baptist Church. And she came to me and said, I'd like to be baptised. And I'd like to be baptised in the sea. And I'd like to be baptised in the sea in Devon at Lee Abbey, which was a very significant place in her faith story. And so a small number of us went down to Lee Abbey. And on the Saturday night, it really blew up a hoolie. The picnic benches around the site were turned over. Trees had branches and leaves stripped from them. And I lay in my bed thinking this may well not happen. But nothing short of a miracle, I guess, or, or perhaps just a storm blowing itself out. It was flat calm the next day. And so this photo shows me and Debbie's father on one side of her and the then warden of Lee Abbey on the other side. Of course, Debbie has now moved on and is very actively part of St Mary's Episcopal Church. But nonetheless, um, on the odd occasion that I bump into her, she speaks fondly of her time at Hillhead and how important it has been in her faith story. This was our first experiment with a temporary baptistry, a build-yourself baptistry, which we hired from a lovely company in Yorkshire. And this is Paul. Paul came to us as an asylum seeker from Nigeria, one who had fled because of his faith. We're never quite sure that the age he claimed was his true age, but he was a very grown up young man who was exploring faith and desperately wanted to be baptised. But we asked him to wait until he got to know us. And so he was with us quite some time before we reached this very precious day. And in his testimony, he said he was God's work in progress, that he was still learning what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. Once Paul went to university, he moved away from this part of the city and unfortunately we have lost contact with him. But nonetheless, it's again an important part of his story. And the same day that Paul was baptised and received into membership, four other friends transferred their membership to us who became members by confession of faith having previously been baptised and in good standing elsewhere. And a bit later that same year, we baptised Morag, 
Morag has been part of our church for a very long time and had probably wanted to be baptised for quite a long time, but for various very important pastoral reasons had kept putting that off. So again, we hired the baptistry and on a Saturday afternoon with a reduced congregation, we baptised Morag. And I I think this is a very precious picture because there there won't be many baptisms where everybody in the tank was a woman. And this is just the video of that occasion. So I ask you these questions. Do you believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit? And do you accept Jesus Christ as your Saviour and Lord? Do you turn from sin, renounce evil and seek to follow Christ? Will you live within the fellowship of the Church and will you serve Jesus Christ in the world? Is it then your desire that you be baptised? Then, Morag, upon your profession of faith and at your own request, I baptise you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then this photograph is from three years ago, at the end of May, when we were finally able to hold the baptismal service for five friends. And it is a bit of an unusual photograph for a baptism because it is just the hands cutting the cake. But those who were part of the church will remember that this was a hugely risky thing for our candidates, for Iranian asylum seekers and one Cuban. And we were particularly asked not to post photographs that would allow them to be recognised and not to use their names in anything that went outside of our congregation. So this is actually a very, very precious photograph. It is a witness to people's commitment to Christ and their desire to follow him. So why am I sharing those things and what has any of it got to do with the baptism of Christ, which the church invites us to mark today? Well, I think there are at least three things that are important in those stories. I think it's important because it speaks about community. It's important because it speaks about commitment. And it's important because it speaks about a word that I've forgotten that is on your order of service. Never mind, we will get there. Over this week, I did look up and remind myself of some of the different views that churches have on baptism. So I probably need to start by nailing my colours to the mast and say I have a very low theology of baptism. That shouldn't surprise you because I have a pretty low theology of practically everything. Christians and theologians and Christian traditions have argued and expended huge amounts of energy about what we think does or doesn't happen at baptism. I remember going to my niece's baptism as as an infant. She was baptised in a Roman Catholic church and the priest said in this private ceremony, um, there is nothing she can do now that she has been baptised. That will mean she goes to hell. And 
I struggled with that because he was basically saying an unbaptized child was hellbound no matter what. So all I'm saying is that my low theology is very much shaped by my experience as are all of our theologies. And they're always provisional and always able to be changed. For me, the primary reason that we practice baptism is because, according to the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus told us to, and because Jesus himself did it. So where do we fit any of that with these readings that we heard this morning and with the baptism of a man called Jesus, who we believe to be the Christ of God? Well, the word I forgot was covenant, and that's very strong within the readings we heard this morning. We've already this year used that Genesis story, or in the last 12 months at least, used that Genesis story a couple of times, reminding ourselves that God's covenant is not just with humanity, but with the whole of creation, with the animals and the plants and the rocks and the water. And more recently, we reminded ourselves that the main purpose of the rainbow is not for us, but for God. For the times when God wonders if it's worth carrying on, God glimpses the rainbow as we do and goes, oh, yeah, I remember. I was committed to this. And it looks like the writer of 1 Peter, who may or may not have been Peter the the Apostle, um, picks up on on a a comparison between Jesus' baptism, our baptism, and the flood story. And if there's a thread I want to pull from that, because I struggle a bit with some of what Peter says, it's this idea of covenant, that baptism is part of God's promise. It's a sign, if you like, another sign of God's promise to us. And it's a sign of our entering voluntarily into that covenant. Part of the reason I showed you the clip of of Morag's baptism, which we used when we brought her into membership the day after that, is because the question we always ask in our tradition is, and do you choose to be baptised? Do you choose to identify yourself with Christ? Another thing that's really important for us as Baptists is that baptism always takes place in community. There ain't no such thing as a private baptism. I have at least once during my ministry been asked to conduct a private baptism and explained to the person that, sorry, that that was not an option. However, we could work through it. Jesus was baptised in a community. There was a group of people gathered around John, John's disciples, if you like, and in the presence of those people, Jesus was baptised. And I think that's important because it says that community matters to God and it says that we matter to God in community. That our faith and our discipleship isn't just a private thing between us and God. Actually, it's something we live out and explore together with others in the community of God. And it's about commitment. Again, the little video you saw of Morag's baptism, 
we always ask the same promises, the same questions of, of our candidates in Hillhead, and they're used in pretty similar form through Baptist churches throughout the world. Is this what you're going to do? you believe in this? Are you going to sign up to this? And, and people say, yes, I am. I'm making a commitment on this day. This is what I choose to do. And I suspect those of us who have been baptised in a Baptistic church and probably those who have been confirmed in, a, in a, other churches that practice that route um, will have found some resonance in, in those words that were said. Way, way back when I was at school, my RE teacher said that the main reason that Jesus was baptised was about identifying with us and as a sign and symbol of God's commitment to us. And I think that's right. I think the baptism of Jesus, which we mark today, is about the covenant. It is about community. And it is about commitment. How we do it in different traditions may vary. But what it's all about at the end of the day is pretty much the same. Here is the profound mystery, if you like, that we experience in the baptism of Christ. That God chooses to become fully immersed in our humanity in order that we in turn may experience God's eternal mercy and grace. Amen.
We come together in our prayers for others and in our prayers for each other. Let us pray. In you, Lord God, we put our trust. When we are tested, it is to you we turn. When we are tempted, it is to you we find strength to resist. When we are lonely, it is to you we come for consolation. Show us your ways, Lord God, and teach us your paths. Guide us in your truths, for in you we find hope, mercy, and love. God of love, we lift up our eyes, scanning the horizon. Where does our help come from? Jesus, our hope, we lift up our voices, praising your name. Our help comes from the Lord. Spirit, our guide, we lift up our heads, seeking your presence, maker of heaven and earth. God of the wilderness, thank you for this season of Lent, for time set aside to journey with you, to reflect, repent, and return with broken hearts made whole. For the many blessings in our lives of health, food and shelter, supportive community and friends of hope, faith and love born from above, we give thanks. Lead us deeper into Lent, O God, that we might better see the places in our lives you wish to change. For when we take for granted the many daily blessings we enjoy in our lives and fail to share with others, God forgive us. For when we neglect to value, include and treat with justice every person made in your image, God forgive us. Holy God, you have called us to follow you and to care for our brothers and sisters, the family of humanity around the world to love not only in words, but also in action. And so we pray this morning for BMS World Mission, for our friends in the Baptist Union of Scotland, and in our own church community, we pray for the Zoom tech team, Betty, Graham, Ali and family, Lena and George, Talash, Yang Yang, Antoinette and Spencer, Bayar and family, Christine in France, Nicola and family in Butte. We bring to you now these brothers and sisters, for it is in you, our Lord God, we put our trust. For it is in you we find hope, mercy and love. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
God of the covenant, we ask you to bless us with strong and active hope. God of Christ, we ask you to bless us with your presence each and every day. God in community, creating, redeeming and sustaining all creation, we ask you to bless and renew all that creation of which we too are part. Amen.